opening and closing theme is by Midnight Syndicate. For more dark instrumental music like it, visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or Alexa. True crime stories are discussed in this podcast, which may contain graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, we have shirts for sale now, so go on to our website at www.freshlybrewednoir.com and use code FBN2023 for $5 off your purchase. We currently are selling in the U.S. and working on international sales. Thanks you guys for your support. Hello everyone and welcome back to Freshly Brewed Noir. I'm Summer. And I'm Jennifer. And this is episode 53, The Case of Abby Choi. It's been a while since we've recorded, huh? (laughs) It has been. What, a month? I think so, yeah. It feels like a hiatus. We haven't recorded together in a minute. Well, especially because we've been doing like the batch recording sessions. We try to like, try to have a good backup system. That's true. Right, but... Two in one. I think I told you I just needed... You know, I had a lot going on at work and I just No, no, needed... no, no. I'll tell you guys what really it is. What is it? <laughs> if she doesn't edit this out. <laughs> oh, God. Jennifer has a boyfriend now. And let's be, I mean, you haven't had a boyfriend in many years. You yeah. You were living that single life and you were just very happy and independent. Now she has a boyfriend and she's actually going out a lot. And <laughs> this is not normal behavior for somebody with a best friend who doesn't really go out much except to see her. So it's not like I got her ready for this. <laughs> but you set me up for this. I, well, I did. But I did not know um, how much he likes to do. He's very good at finding fun things for you guys to go do. That's true. And it's been fun. But she was literally exhausted last week. Yeah, between work and then events. <laughs> it's been busy. And so I was like, I just think I need... some time (laughs) to like get back into it and so it took longer than normal but now i'm we're ready back on schedule yes and we're gonna start working out again which i think will be great yeah the hardest thing is to get back into it i think yeah it's been two years (laughs) it's been a while yeah (laughs) because we kind of stopped well no you worked out over the pandemic especially like the first year yeah I i just said just forget it all. <laughs> and in your defense, you did have a very, like... A lot going on. You had a lot going on, and then your job was very demanding. So you had to sit yes, at that was. computer all the time. Yeah, and I'm so glad. I think I've mentioned I gave up that job. I resigned, retired, whatever you want to call it. And I have no regrets. <laughs> you seem much happier now. Yeah. However, you have another job now. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So I'm back to two jobs. But in my defense, (laughs) this is a part-time early morning job. It's very physical where I can actually kind of get a pre-workout in. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. It's it's getting you active. I get that. Because I don't know if we even talked about this in our previous episode, because that may have been short term, but you worked at Amazon for a while. I did. I don't even know if I can discuss that. Well, we can say you were an employee. Don't come after me, Amazon. (laughs) So you worked there, but it's top secret. I worked there. I can't discuss the logistics of my job. No details will be provided about the inside of Amazon, except that, oh my God, (laughs) did that jolt my body back into moving. It's Yeah, you said that your body was swollen after your first day. (laughs) (laughs) And it's normally kind of swollen, but it was like really swollen. (laughs) 
well, I'm glad you're not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I did it for a little while. And, you know, I survived. I lost a little bit of weight, but I'm really happy to be at the other place I'm at, which I won't disclose because I just don't want to. But it's <laughs> okay to one of our friends. It's the happiest place on earth. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. People love it. <laughs> it, it might be Disney World. <laughs> to some it is. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're back on schedule. We're going to start working out again. And we'll just be, you know, things will be good. Are we getting shredded for the summertime? I can't commit to that. <laughs> I can commit to not being as fluffy. Jennifer <laughs> acts like she's fluffy. It's just lies. <laughs> Always telling some story. Anyway, don't listen to her. We're back on track now. <laughs> Things are good. And then you still have time for podcasting. Yeah. So even though you have another job, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay with it. <laughs> I had to do something. I have to like, I have to move. I have to get out of the house. I thought I would love a stay at home job, but turned out I don't like sitting at a computer for the amount of time I had to sit at a computer. I guess it's not beneficial for a long-term thing. Uh, yeah, no. Not for me, anyway. Some people can do it. They are good at taking those breaks and going and exercising, but that's just not me. So maybe this is your calling. If you guys have thought about quitting your job, maybe you should do it. <laughs> yeah. If your job sends you to places like the hospital because you get sick a lot or things like that, or you're stressed, definitely see what you can do to do something else in life that is better for you. And that makes you happy. Yeah. Or just doesn't make you unhappy, you know? Not everybody's going to be super happy at their job, but, like, it shouldn't make you unhappy. Yeah. That's a sign. Like, find yourself complaining every day when you go into work. We know a few people like that. (laughs) A lot of Why are you there? Why are you even there? Yeah. You're wasting your life. (laughs) Yeah. I was mentally in my head. I was there. I was like, it's it's time to go. Plus, for health reasons. I was like, this is not the job that I should have anymore. So Yeah. yeah. You never want to get to that point. So that's our, our life advice. That's um, it. Have we talked enough about I think we've talked about, stuff. you know, stuff enough. <laughs> so, but you know the case we're covering today, right? It's an awful case. It's a more recent case, too. And, you know, for me, I was hesitant to even talk about it because I'm not comfortable discussing it when I don't know, like, all the details that are out. But this is a case that is, I don't know, it resonates with me for some reason. Like, I just... I was doing the show notes yesterday, and um, I just got really emotional. So I'm going to try to get through this episode and make it through. Okay. All right. But, I mean, obviously, we cover true crime, and these okay. cases are, are heavy. Yeah. And so uh, eventually, I think we're going to have cases that really, like, get to us, even though they're all awful. Yeah. Well, in this episode, we're taking you back to Hong Kong, China. If you remember, we... Hello Kitty? Yep. That's right. We were in Hong Kong in our very early episodes. Was that our second or? I think it was like our third. Third episode. Wow. Yeah. It took 50 episodes for us to take us back there. But we're going to talk about Abby Choi, who was a 28-year-old socialite, model, and influencer. She was born on July 11th, 1994, and she was the youngest of four daughters. Abby was not only a beautiful person on the outside, but also on the inside. Uh, She was a fashion icon and media personality known to be a trendsetter, and she was highly sought after in the industry. Her love of fashion took her to places all over the world, and then she'd share her experiences with her followers through social media. She was featured in magazines like Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and Elle, 
and would be a model for brands like Dior and Chanel. So very successful. Yes. I mean, she's gorgeous. If you just Google her. She is beautiful. I've seen where people like refer to her as like captivating and like angelic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she kind of has like that aura about her. She does. She was a regular attendee of Paris Fashion Week, and many would say she had this infectious energy and was admired for her grace and confidence. She was born into a wealthy family, but even with the fame and wealth, she always remained kind and humble. Her family owned multiple construction businesses, uh, many properties, and multi-million dollar assets. She had a very busy and luxurious lifestyle, mingling with celebrities, and she was also known to be an animal lover and would spend her time and money towards helping them. And she funded a local nonprofit animal rescue organization called Pelms Charitable Org. When she was 18, she fell in love with a man named Alex Kwong Kongchi, who was also 18. They were high school sweethearts and would eventually get married. Abby's family and friends were a bit worried since Alex wasn't at the same financial status as she was, and her family and friends were kind of worried about that because they thought maybe she would be taken advantage of or, you know, people would date her for the wrong reasons. But she had known him for a long time, and she really didn't care about, like, social status. She was like, if I love this person, I love them for them, not for their money. But, you know, her net worth was over $12 million, and so that's a very hefty amount that's Um, a lot so he obviously wasn't wealthy no he was not at her level i don't even think he was anywhere close to that and yeah his family was also not as wealthy as she was so he knew her since high school did the parents not like him then um i guess they didn't think that they would get married i mean they were both 18 well when her family found out that she wanted to get married so young she was like no like let's wait and date around but she was ready. She wanted to get married. Her family and friends were hesitant. But on the other side of things, his family was pretty happy about it. Oh. Because I think... They wanted access to the money? I, I or think so. Or they just wanted him to marry up? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Okay. Speaking about his family, his dad, actually, his name was Cao Kuang, and he was a former sheriff. He enjoyed his position in law enforcement I think he liked the power of it, just being in law enforcement. He, he enjoyed the job. He felt like he was doing something important. But allegedly in 2005, a victim came into his police station to report a crime that was committed against her. Privacy laws in China don't allow much information on this case, but it said that Cao Kuang comforted the victim and then reassured her that her case would be taken seriously and they would make sure to find the perpetrator. And of course, any victim would be glad to hear that, right? Like, yeah, they would feel like, okay, you know, my, my case is being taken seriously. So one night around 2 a.m., Cao Kuang showed up to this victim's house and she thought that, you know, he came there. I mean, it was 2 a.m., so it was late. Um, and she thought maybe he had some information on her case, so she let him in. But it's alleged that he raped her that night. Wait, Abby's boyfriend's dad, the sheriff. Yeah. Went to a victim's house and raped her? Yeah. What? Yeah, that's got to be like, this is someone you trusted to keep you safe. Yeah. Obviously, you know, if you're going to let someone in at that time or, or at all. And you think a police officer is a safe you know, person to let in? Of course. Of course. Especially because she already knew him from reporting a crime. Yes. Like, he was the one personally that was comforting her. Oh, that's scary. 
when those type of people get into positions of power. Yeah, that's the worst. Abuse it, yeah. Well, with these allegations, he was let go as sheriff and no charges were filed against him. Why were no charges filed? Did it say? It's not really said why, but apparently there have been multiple reports of this happening. By him? Yes. Oh. They let him go, and afterwards it was hard for him to find a job. Good. And whatever work he did find, it wasn't as fulfilling as the law enforcement. As as raping women? (laughs) Oh. Yeah, I know. So like I said before, when he found out that his son Alex was going to marry Abby, he saw this as like, okay, we're going to have money and and status. Did she know about his dad? No. We learned later that she didn't know about a lot of the bad stuff. The dark side of his family. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's too and I think that's because Abby was very much like a believer in good and just yeah. wanted to like help and take care of people. So Abby and Alex would have two children together, but after three years in 2015, they would get divorced. It's not clear what the reason was for the divorce since her friend stated that she never spoke ill of him. She wanted to remain on good terms and like have a healthy co-parenting relationship with him. She'd even remain close to his family. During the entirety of their marriage, Abby supported Alex, their kids, and his parents, and his brother, and never asked for anything in return. Wow. So, yeah, like I said, she was unaware of any of these allegations against his father. Um, his father, yeah. Okay. So after the divorce, she told him and his family that this wouldn't stop them from like having a good relationship and she would still financially support them. That is so nice of her. Yeah. I don't I don't know anyone that would do that. Seriously, who would do that? That's not her job. No. You know? But she saw them as family and wanted to still take care of them. And that's just the person she was. She, even though she... She's just selfless. Grew, yeah, even though she yeah. grew up with all this money, she didn't rub it in people's faces. She just wanted to use it for good and to help the people she cared about. So she wanted everyone to stay together as a family and not stress out about money. So she was so generous that she bought his family a $10 million condo in Kadori Hill, which is one of the most expensive, prestigious places to live in Hong Kong. So she's not even just like, hey, I'll pay for your rent at your apartment. She's buying them a $10 million home. Yep. And she's not asking them to pay her back or anything. Yeah, that's super generous to do for your ex and his parents. Wow. I totally agree. I mean, like I said, I, t- I think it speaks to her character. She did offer Alex's brother, Anthony. Oh, that's right. I forgot she'd take care of the brother, too. Right. And so Anthony, apparently he had, like, a lot of debt. Like, he would try to, like, open restaurants and they would fall through. And so it- he didn't have steady work. So she offered him a job to be her personal driver. And she'd pay him a salary that was more than what the standard driver would get paid. I know this is a sidebar, but... If I ever hit it big, I'm getting a driver. <laughs> I'm not joking. That's I, the one thing. Like, I, I dream about that. I'm like, oh, if I could have a driver. Yeah. I mean, you have your husband. I do, but he is, he doesn't even listen to this, so I could say he's not a good driver. <laughs> okay. You don't think so? No. He especially will listen to this episode because it's too graphic. He doesn't like the gory stuff. I love him. But not his driving. I do not like his driving. I don't at all. Is it too safe or too reckless? No, it's not too safe. (laughs) Let's just be clear. I would literally find, he's actually, um, he was a friend of mine from high school, Dan Sargent. 
the best driver, I swear. He was, even as a teenager, he was the most amazing driver. And you can ask my husband. And he'll be like, oh, and oh so he can attack. She wants Dan Sargent to be her driver. Like he already knows because he, he knew Dan too. Dan was the most cautious, um, defensive driver. He's a male. And, you know, males as teenagers usually get into tons of wrecks and stuff. No, not that guy. Oh. Everybody had to wear their seatbelts. Smooth turns. I mean, he would turn his blinker on before every turn. Like never any road rage. And you just you felt like you were getting there safely. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't be your driver either then because I am I think I'm a little reckless. I would say you're a better driver than my husband. Really? I would. Yeah. Again, he's not listening to his episodes. <laughs> okay. I think you're a better driver than him. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But Dan Sargent is a better driver than you and anybody in okay. this world. I mean, you can't compete with that. No. <laughs> and he's not on Facebook, darn it, because I would... You would hire him right now? I, I don't have that money right now, even though I do have the second job. <laughs> and he's in California. But yeah, if I had the money, I would call him up and be like, okay, are you married now? Do you have kids? Fly them all out here. <laughs> Set you up in a $10 million house just to be my driver. Yeah, I can agree with that. I definitely hate driving. You would have a driver or would you have a chef? What would be your thing? Like you, oh gosh, you won the That's... lottery. What is the first thing you would do? That's tough. Probably a chef because at least when I'm driving, I can blast my music Oh, Dan would let me blast my music, I'm sure. I'll pay him well. Okay. All right. Well, if that's something that's on the table. But you still get a chef. So somebody to cook for you. I think so. I think so. That's a tough choice because I don't like cooking. Your boyfriend cooks well, though. He does. Yeah. So I really don't have to pay for one. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I need all things. I need a landscaper. I need... <laughs> <laughs> all right. We digress heavily. Right, right. <laughs> on that, but... You brought up driver, and it just got me fantasizing again about hiring Dan Sargent to drive me around. Yeah. Brings up memories. He's like, driver, <laughs> time to go to Starbucks. But we digress. Okay, so. back to the story. She was kind enough. Go ahead. To give her brother a personal driving position. So they were together all the time. Like I said, they would spend almost every day together. They'd go to events. Um, he'd pick up the kids. So I think this is also like someone you must trust you know, to be around you, your kids, that's a position to not take lightly. And so he would also see like the the luxurious side of her life as well. So like attending the fashion events and charity events, like it's just not something you'd want to take for granted, right? If you had this type of position. A dance sergeant wouldn't take it for granted, I'm sure. Exactly. So. And I think I'd call him Sergeant Driver. Okay. It sounds very official. Let's go to Target. I'm not mad about it. Then we're going to Jennifer's. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> for wings and for wings and recording yeah <laughs> he would post pictures of them on social media he'd say that they had like a love like siblings do did he start to get infatuated with her i don't think so no okay no but later what we find out it makes this even more disturbing later on abby would remarry to chris tam and he was the heir to a huge food conglomerate called tam jai international and his family's net worth was about half a billion U.S. dollars. Now, I mean, you have someone on, like, similar financial statuses, social statuses. Was her family okay with this then, I'm sure? Oh, they were, yes. They were so happy. And they were just, they wanted her to be happy. And it seemed like even though he had a lot of money, he was also a kind person, too. Like her? Yes. Okay. So they thought it was a better fit. And they were just... A good match. You know, yeah. 
Abby and Chris had known each other since they were about 10 years old in international school. They had drifted apart, but then were reunited after she got divorced. I don't think it was planned. I think it was just like life brought them back together and fell in love. And what do they call it? Serendipity? Yeah. So friends and family, like I said, were happy because he made her happy. They would go on to have two more children together. So Chris actually knew Alex from a young age. The ex. Yes. Okay. And so he knew about Abby, like, taking care of them and and helping the family. And he respected that, didn't want to get in the way of it. Um, So he was like, all right. They also maintained, like, a good relationship. They'd go spend holidays together. They'd have dinners together. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it seems like everyone's, like, getting along. Getting along. And and there's no drama, no issues, right? Well, we know there'll be issues, unfortunately. So despite all this generosity that Abby was showing to the Kwong family, they got greedy. And can you imagine that? Like, no, you are living in this $10 million condo. No. Like, you know, the view that you have, like the luxury that you're surrounded by, like. And you're still not happy. Yeah. And and you're like mad because you think you deserve more. No, you didn't even earn the condo. You're not even working to do anything. You're not even still married to the lady. Yeah. It baffles me that they feel so they think that they deserve more when they don't deserve any of it no. at all. Like I said, they didn't work because Abby gave them spending money and they would go and she they gave would them spending money too. Yep. Oh, wow. They would go out and blow thousands and uh, they felt slighted though. They, they wanted more. They were, they were looking at her life and they were like, oh, but she gets to do this and she gets to do that. Well, but she earned it. She's making money. Yeah, and even though she was born into wealth, that doesn't mean you're entitled to that. Exactly. At all. So anyway, that brings us to the day that Abby went missing. On February 21st, 2023, Chris Tam, Abby's husband, became concerned when she didn't pick up her daughter from school. Abby always made a point to show up personally for her kids, even though she could easily hire somebody to pick them up. But she was just that type of mom who always wanted to be present. So no one could get in contact with her and they could not track her car. And it was very out of character for her to just not respond, not be there for the kids. Her family wondered if she was kidnapped for ransom. Like that made more sense. That made the most sense. They were like, okay. Because of her status and people knew she was wealthy in her family. Yes. Yeah. You know, they freaked out. They were very concerned. So they were just waiting for a phone call to see if like, you know, someone would ask for money. They waited, but no call came. On February 22nd, the next day, an official report was made concerning Abby's disappearance. A police conference was held, and they showed CCTV footage of where she was last seen around 2.15 p.m., wearing a white long-sleeved sweater with white pants and white shoes while carrying a white jacket. So these are her last moments, and this is where she's like leaving her home. And that's not a suitcase. That's just her purse in her hand, right? That's her handbag. Yeah. Okay. So she wasn't planning on like leaving. No, she was just going to pick up her daughter. So after this, police went to question Abby's ex, Alex, and his family. So the Kwong family. And they were immediately suspicious of them because they were evading questions and kind of like just talking around things. I don't know if they expected for the police to come and question them, but they found that each of the members had motives regarding her disappearance. Somehow the Kwong family became aware that Abby was going to sell the condo and relocate them. 
It's speculated that she told them that it was for investment purposes. However, the Kwong family did not believe that. They were convinced that the real estate market was not at the place it should be for her to be making a good business decision. So they didn't believe her. They thought she was lying. When did she buy the condo? When? Yeah. Because if she bought it during a certain year and then it's obviously appreciated a ton, it would be a good investment to sell it. Yeah, I don't know. We'll kind of talk about the tax situation too. Okay. So they were suspicious that, what, she was going to dump them on the streets? I think so. But she's so nice. Why would they think that? And even if that was the case, you would have think they would have used this opportunity to save up money, to have their own place, and just financially prepare to not have her support them. Well, (laughs) but Jennifer, (laughs) that's for people with common sense and and not wanting not to people that take advantage. Entitled. Yeah, they're already taking advantage of her. So those those types of people don't think, oh, well, let's make this better for ourselves in the long run by saving up because they didn't care. Though. We'll just live off our money. I know. It just blows my mind that there are people like this. But another speculation would follow, assuming that maybe Abby was trying to put up some boundaries with the Kwong family. And maybe she felt like they were taking advantage of her like financially and socially. So she probably wouldn't say that. But... I do think, you know, it was probably like a healthy decision for her to put those boundaries there because how long was she going to do this? How long was she going to like take care of them? Right. And how long were they just going to not do anything to help themselves? Yeah. Like she'd probably rather focus more on the family she has now. And, you know, they do have her and Alex did have two kids together. So I'm sure like that wouldn't have been neglected, but there was no reason for her to help Mm. his parents and Mm. his brother and even him. (laughs) Yeah. Law enforcement looked into the history of the Kwong family, and they found out that they rented a house out in the suburbs of Hong Kong just two weeks before Abby's disappearance. When they checked out the house, there was no furniture in there. It was empty. So that's weird, right? That's already scary. Yeah. On February 23rd, 2023, the Kowloon Police Department took over the case. Then the next day, February 24th, Abby's body was found murdered in that house that they had rented. That they had rented. Police announced at a press conference that she was found and they disclosed that she and the Kwong family were having disputes regarding the condo. The house was bought under Cao Kwong's name and it's assumed that it was done that way because of tax laws in Hong Kong. As a primary residence, citizens were given a huge tax break as opposed to investment properties. In Abby's case, because this wasn't her first property, she would have ended up paying millions in taxes as opposed to hundreds of thousands because it would have been in Cao Kuang's name okay. as his primary residence. Another reason for motive that was released was the irresponsible behavior of Alex and Anthony They would go out and spend thousands of dollars every night and flaunt it on social media. Alex had a collection of expensive watches and alcohol posted on his Instagram. And just flaunting this luxurious lifestyle that he was not, you know. Earning. Yeah. Something to note, um, when Abby remarried the second time to Chris, it wasn't officially registered. It's not clear, though, like why it wasn't registered. But now that meant that since that was the case, if she passed away, her wealth would be divided among the kids. Okay. So she four kids. Yeah. And two of them were with Alex. Oh. 
And so... And they're still minors. And they're still minors. So... So he would have control over it? Or would it be put yes. in some type... Oh, they don't put it in, like, a trust for the children? I don't know if they thought about those logistics. I think what they heard was, oh, potentially our kids could inherit that wealth if Abby ever passes away. And we would be in control of that That's because awful. they're, like, 10 at that time. Once again, another reason for motive. Yeah. During the investigation of the house, the officers noted that the windows were blacked out with curtains. There was no furniture, any sign that people were living there. The house was solely used for the purpose of killing someone. They found two different types of meat grinders, an electric saw, a hammer, black raincoats, face shields, and Abby's Hermes purse that she carried on the day she went missing. So it had her ID, it had her belongings in there. So that's how they knew it was hers. So did they find her body or just blood? Well, in the kitchen, authorities found two pots filled with meat that looked like flesh, but was mixed with spices and vegetables. No! There, were, there was like, um, I think, carrots and like radishes and stuff in there. They had to send this to the medical examiner. And after it was tested, they found Abby's head in what they ended up calling a soup. Since her body was cooked, it had suffered a massive decomp. And the only way it was confirmed to be her was through dental records. They also identified a blow to the right of her skull, but it's unclear if this was a fatal blow or if it was done after she was already dead. The other pot contained her ribs, her collarbone, more flesh, and more vegetables. What were they trying to do? Were they... Like, so, is it cannibalism or is it just trying to hide her? It's not, yeah. So we don't know and they don't say if it was to eat her or if it was just to get rid of the body to make it seem like old soup or something okay. and get rid of it. But how evil do you have to be to think of something like that? Yes. And this woman took care of these people for years. And asked for nothing. Wow. It's unbelievable. Ugh, it just, it makes me so mad. This case makes me so mad. Her feet were found in the freezer. Her legs and lower torso were found laying in the house, and her thighs looked like they were attempted to be cut into since the bone was visible. But her upper body was not found, so they don't know where her, her upper body or her arms are. It's so awful. It's obvious that this was premeditated for at least a month. Yeah, they rent a house, don't buy any furniture. And then buy all these devices to, what, you said a meat grinder and chainsaws and different yeah, things. Yeah, face shields, um, yeah, that's, raincoats. That's sick. It's believed that Cao Kuang was the one that created this plan and so kept it going. the mastermind behind. Yes. So this former police officer, former sheriff, is the one who, who you know, headed this. this. Yeah. First but, he rapes women, and then now he's actually murdering and cutting up a woman. I'm so confused why he's in law why he was in law enforcement. Because I think it was because of the power and the authority. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. It's like why he, someone like him, would go into that type of job. Was he the only one that did this or was it? I don't think so. I think he got all of his family members on board with this. And we'll see some evidence of that. Yeah. The police believe that on the day she went missing, Abby was on her way to pick up her eight year old daughter. Anthony, being her driver, took her to a tunnel 
And I think she was kind of confused where they were going. But then when they got to this tunnel, Alex jumped into the back seat. It's not clear if this is where she was murdered um, or if she was just unconscious at this point. Okay. Because they said she did have a blow to the to the head at some point. Yes. We know she was assaulted, but we don't know if that was what ultimately like killed her in the vehicle. CCTV footage would show them arriving around 3.12 p.m. at that house, followed by another car arriving shortly after, and that was assumed to be driven by Cao Kuang. That's when police believed the dismemberment took place. Cao drove to a cemetery after that, and police assumed they might find some of Abby's body parts there, but nothing was found. So why did he drive to a cemetery? Do they know? They don't know. More than 100 officials searched for her missing remains in the cemetery and in Hong Kong's largest landfill, but they were unsuccessful. So they still don't know where her missing remains are. And this is all happening in a very short amount of time. Like, she goes missing on the 21st. Yeah, they found this out very quickly. Yeah. And then on on the 25th, the arrests were made. That is so quick. That's great. I mean, they immediately suspected the Kwong family. Like, once they went to go question them, alarm bells went off. Well, and especially because of the sheriff's past, I'm sure that's got to raise red flags. Yeah. I don't know if that was immediately known to them. You don't think so? I don't know. I feel like cops know of bad cops. I hope so. So I I would feel like in China it'd be the same thing where, okay, they knew the sheriff was bad. I would at least hope they knew... Like, of the reasons he was let go, and maybe, yeah. you know, that tipped him off. I don't think there were uh, the same allegations, obviously, no. in this yeah. case, but still not great characteristics. So on February 25th, the first three people to be arrested were Alex's parents, Cow and uh, Jenny was his mom, and Anthony, the brother. At this time, Alex was on the run. The ex-husband has not been arrested yet. Anthony and Cow were charged with murder. The mother was charged with perverting the course of justice. So it's speculated that she helped with Alex's escape and not actually in the murder. Abby's friend, Pao Zhou Yi Cheng, went to social media and offered a $127,000 reward for Alex's capture. This case was so high profile, the members of the special forces, the Flying Tigers, were on his pursuit. Throughout this investigation... The Flying Tigers? Yes, like special ops. (laughs) Is that a real thing? Yes. They're very serious. Would it be like our, um, I don't know, our SWAT team? Like what is it? Yes, similar to that. Yeah. Okay. So like a mix of investigators slash SWAT. Okay. So So they were after him. Yep. Throughout this investigation, it came to light that Alex was a known con man and Abby had no idea. He would meet women and men on dating apps and convince them that he was a gold dealer. He'd convince them to buy thousands of dollars of gold and then meet them at their homes and sleep with them and then would sneak off with the gold that they bought. And he did this a lot. So he actually made about $800,000 doing this. Okay, so he had a side hustle making plenty of money. Apparently, yes, he did. It was illegal. I don't know like but... what years he was doing this or like the timeline of that. And then she was still paying for all of his stuff. So this guy's bad news. The police also found that the family was in a massive amount of debt. So you think they would do something about that with all the luxury stuff they have and 
all the spending money they have. And Abby was paying for everything. Yeah. And they still racked up debt. Makes no sense. No, it doesn't. Police found Alex, finally, attempting to flee Hong Kong on a speedboat off of a pier. They ambushed and captured him before he could escape. They found about uh, $65,000 of cash and half a million dollars worth of his luxury watches. This doesn't even sound real. Like, it sounds like a movie, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Like, you wouldn't believe this really happened if you didn't know that it was a true case in China. You would think that this was a script for a movie. Yeah. I mean, it's unreal. It's it's unreal, like, the lengths that these people go, and it doesn't even seem like they feel bad about anything. Mm-hmm. Like, it, this doesn't make it better, but you would think, okay, if, if they plan this, why would you do something so gruesome and so... Like, if they just wanted the money, why did they... Like, they could have hired a hitman or something. And that, like I said, it doesn't make it better, and you don't advocate for that. The lengths they went through to get this kill house. Yeah, that's a horrific thing to do to a person, I would imagine. And to do that to somebody who has literally let you live off of their money for years. It's evil. Very. Well, when he was arrested, he told the police um, he was not feeling well and needed to be taken to the hospital. Like a big baby. Okay. He was checked out, but he was fine. And Was he just trying to escape again, do they think? I, I'm sure. I wouldn't put it past him. He was fine. <laughs> Jennifer says he was fine. <laughs> I, I, I didn't look at him or anything, but he was fine. Put him in jail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after what he did, I really don't care. Yeah, you don't feel bad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you. Either. Yeah. So he was then afterwards taken to custody with the rest of his family. All of them were non-compliant. They refused to help locate the missing remains. Afterwards, Cao Kuang's mistress, Ing Chi Wing, was arrested for assisting in hiding Alex. Henry Lan Shun, Alex's friend, was also arrested for securing the speedboat for his escape. A seventh suspect, Irene Poon Hyun, was most recently arrested on March 7th for also attempting to help in his escape. There's a lot of people involved in this, yeah. especially helping Alex escape. So I don't know why that was like the biggest goal, though, to have Alex escape. I don't get it either. Did they think that the cops weren't going to figure it out? They must have. And then so is the plan after that just, well, we want Alex to be free? I'm confused. It doesn't seem like they'd be self-sacrificing. No. I just think they weren't smart. And And Alex was. So this whole time he's like, well, if anybody gets caught, it's going to be my parents and not me. I wonder if they thought that if Alex got out, then somehow he would find a way to to get get them them out. out. Maybe. That's just my my guess. I don't know if that was the case. Hmm. But I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. And they're not talking. So nobody knows anything. Right. Yeah, they're not. Have they gotten any information? I don't know that, actually, because it's still within the court process. And they but they're still in custody. And they we'll don't talk. have access to her money, do they? Well, oh. we'll talk about that. So first, we'll talk about this. So Abby's family went to the house where her body was found. Oh, no. Why? Well, they wanted to go there to perform a ritual. Oh, okay. To calm the spirit of the deceased because she was oh, killed so horrifically. Yeah. In the media footage, and every time... Every time I watch this video of the mom, that's when I start to get emotional because she's, I mean, she's so heartbroken. Yeah. She can barely stand. She's like leaning on Abby's husband, Chris, and she says, my precious daughter, I'll never be able to see you again. This is so unfair. 
stupid girl, you used all of your kindness on the wrong person given to undeserving people. These shitty people ate my daughter's heart. And so, obviously, she knew how kind her daughter was. Yeah. And she sees that these people were so evil and they took advantage of her. And it's one thing, I think it's one thing to take advantage of somebody, but to take it to that level of, like, maliciousness and... And ending their life. That's In such a graphic way, how could you do that? I mean, I don't think it's a foreign concept for us to know that money gets in the way of relationships, whether they be family, whether they be romantic, whatever. It's not like a foreign concept. I'm sure we can all relate somehow to people seeing dollar signs and that ending up in destroying relationships. Yeah. But to see it taken to that level, I think is just so awful, especially someone so giving and so kind. And like, it it just, we've said it multiple times, but it's just unreal. And it it, kind of makes you feel like these are like family members that she thought she could trust. She trusted them to drive her around. She trusted them to be around her kids. And she was helping them. Yes. Thinking about it too, like that's the mother of your children. So how could he even do that? I don't get it. It's gotta be like, what, psychopathic? I don't know. How do you have no empathy? How do you have like no gratitude? You feel like if you were in that situation where someone was like providing you with so much, you would be thankful and like, And I think that's the normal thing. I think that's what Mm -hmm. normal people would do. So to see it taken to this like level of evil, it's really, uh, it's like really shocking and Mm -hmm. disheartening. So Abby and Alex's two kids were sent to live with Chris's mom as the case moves forward. Abby's mom filed an injunction with the courts to prevent the Kwong family from selling the condo. Which is good because yeah. since the condo was in his name, I wonder if he was going to use that as like bail money. Oh. Now, I thought the condo, so the condo wasn't in her name. No, that, remember they had to put it in his name because- Of um, the tax reasons. Right. Okay. Did the injunction work? Yeah. Stopped everything, right? So that he couldn't get access to the money? It looks like, yeah, because they're still in custody. Okay. As of May 16th, judge denied Jenny Lee's a second application for bail. So that's the mom. The four family members remain in custody and will appear in court for a pretrial hearing on July 31st. Police believe that all the parties involved in this murder have been arrested. The three who allegedly helped Alex escape have been released on bail. This case is still ongoing, so, you know, I'm not sure when it'll go to trial, if it'll even go to trial this year. So it could be next year, but as soon as we get updates, we'll, or do enough updates, part. we'll yeah, yeah, possibly do another part or share them maybe in like business okay. of other episodes. But my thoughts on this case, you know, I think it's just unfair, like how this kind woman was taken away from this world by evil and selfish people. And it really makes you think like money makes people do awful things and awful people do awful things. According to the laws in Hong Kong, a conviction for murder carries the mandatory sentence of life imprisonment. Originally, the death penalty was the sole legal punishment for murder before it was abolished in 1993, allowing judges to impose life sentences instead. Abby's funeral will take place on June 18th. Her family hired a high-tech firm to recreate her face through 3D printing technology to allow them to mourn. Because remember, her head was decomposed. Yeah. This will give them the opportunity to actually, like, see her body in, like, a 
okay like state. A, like a viewable state. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it'll hopefully allow them to mourn. I can't imagine the grief that they're going through. I know. Just to know. And just, and just to think that, like, their daughter, the last thing she probably saw was, is betrayal from family, people that she helped. Yes. And then what will her kids know? Like, her daughter who was waiting for her. And was that her daughter with the new husband? Or was that Alex's daughter? And he, instead of going to pick up their own daughter, he kidnaps his ex and murders her. Is that what he did? Um, it's not, I'm not sure which child. I mean, either way, it's awful. <sighs> yeah. You know, they're going to have to know eventually the truth about why their mother never came to pick them up and, yeah. you know, what their dad did to her. It's just so sad all around. And so this was a tough case. I feel like they're all tough, but this one, I, it was pretty difficult. Yeah, just because of her level of kindness. And then to actually be paying for the life of these people who were family. And they were living well. Yeah. Those family turn around and horrifically murder her. Yeah, she didn't let them fend for themselves. Uh, They totally just took advantage, felt entitled, and then killed her when... And this is, I mean, I guess we have to say it's alleged, right? Because they're, they're not convicted. So Allegedly. Yeah. Well, we're gonna hopefully move on to something different. I don't know if I can say <laughs> it'll be lighter. can't even say better or lighter. <laughs> yeah, it's just different because we're doing the Weston Hotel murders next. Yeah. I think it's just, it's different when you do the research, you get invested. And some cases are harder. I agree with you. Yeah. I don't know why certain cases hit differently than others, but some of them are really tough to do. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's the, the storytelling, like how you feel like you can, you know this person, you don't know them, but... You just know how other people know them. Yeah. You know, and that, I think that says a lot. How people speak about her, that she was such a a good person and to go in such an awful way. It just, it resonates with you, I think. Well, I hope they have a quick trial. And if it's found that they are responsible, I hope the judge sends them away for life. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be a high profile case when it does go to trial, just because of how awful and horrific the case was. And because of who she was. Like her standing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're covering the Weston Hotel murders <laughs> next, right? <laughs> yeah, let's switch gears. It's not easy to do. It's not, yeah. Yeah, the Weston Hotel murders, the only two. And then I found out about some deaths that happened there, which are very strange. So we'll talk about those, too. I wasn't planning on covering anything but the two murders, but I'm going to cover briefly some of the deaths that happened. Okay. And it's a local case, right? This yes, is... this is an Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia case. Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. I like that you keep us local. <laughs> <laughs> because our listeners probably, at least some of our local listeners, yeah. they, they're like, I know where that is. Yeah. You guys will probably know exactly which building I'm talking about because it's one of the tallest in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. TikTok until it's banned. Right. <laughs> All the socials at Freshly Brewed Noir. Mm-hmm. Send us any show ideas to freshlybrewednoir at gmail.com. And until next time, stay caffeinated, get hobbies, and don't murder people. Bye. Bye.